What brings a community together? Shared insights? Shared conversations? Welcome to Open Door by Cox Communities, tackling the big questions on the minds of smart community business leaders. Welcome back to Open Door by Cox Communities, where we're providing information for you to consider when making decisions for your multifamily communities. Discover the latest trends and technologies that are making some multifamily business owners stand out. I'm your host, Bess Friedman, CEO of Brown-Harris-Stevens. Marketing, love it or hate it, is crucial for positioning your multifamily business in the best light. But the conversation shouldn't stop once the lease is signed. Here to examine multifamily marketing and maintaining the resident conversation are Steve Lefkowitz, Senior Vice President and Partner, Realtycom Partners and Executive Producer at Joshua Tree Conference Group, and Robert Selden, Director of Marketing Strategies at Cox Communications. Hey, good afternoon to Robert and Steve. Thank you so much for joining me today. So let's talk a little bit about how owners can work with new and existing residents and keep them engaged in the process. I will let either of you take that question. Well, I just thought of something kind of smart alecky to say. So let me let me go ahead and jump in. I think that there's nothing about the relationship between multifamily owners and residents that's different from any other people, right? And so I think the core rule of having a an engaging conversation is to be interested in the other person. And so when we see apartment communities, like there's there's one I can almost see out the window here. They do every, all of their technology is around two-way communication and they listen to their residents and their residents' interests. And one concrete example of that listening is that they post resident art throughout the building and they give residents space for art shows, which creates community, but also creates individualization and creates a reason to stay in the community because people put their own work into investing into the community. And it's based out of the simple conversations where they're actually listening to individuals and not just trying to maybe force a message down a channel. I like that. I think that's so creative to do something like that because it shows that you actually care it's less transactional, makes it more relational. And people really, that's sticky. I mean, that makes people very interested and loyal and focused and keeps them coming back. I love the idea of the art. Robert, I don't know if you have anything. I'm sure you have plenty of things that you'd like to share or add on to what Steve said. I just, I couldn't agree more with what Steve had already said. I think when it comes to having engaged residents and also engaging with potential prospects, I think that authenticity is very key. And I think about as a marketer, thinking outside in, I think something that gets missed a lot when we're speaking to our audiences is uh, acknowledging them as individuals and people. I mean, our role as marketers is to get the best bang for your buck for your messaging and get it as far as possible, as fast as possible, and then pull people in. But even just knowing that these people are individuals, think about a prospect for a moment. You know, If they're coming to your property, it's because they're moving. But what drives the move? I mean, acknowledging that move event, maybe they got a new job. Maybe their families are expanding. Maybe they're shrinking. So even just that small acknowledgement in your messaging about that change in life event really pulls people in. And kind of thinking about how you engage with your current renters 
and keeping that feedback loop and understanding them, they're not looking to establish a life. They've already established their life. So continually talking to them and understanding where they are and how their needs maybe have evolved from the time they entered your doors to where they are now, I think that's key. Because again, I think something that I've heard most recently is engage renters are your best prospecting tool. So to ignore one for the other, you're kind of missing half of your opportunity. Yeah, that's very well said. How do you go about this? What's the online proposition? Like, how do you get people when you're dealing with technology, which is it's much more transactional. So how do you get people to feel engaged and connected when you're connecting with them online? Million dollar question, right? (laughs) It's meeting people where they are and speaking to them in the way that they want to. The key to success when it comes to all of that is for one, knowing your renter's preferences. Some people like to engage more in social. Some don't want to be bothered unless it's absolutely time critical. So I think kind of being agile and building your marketing and managing your properties that way, knowing that you want to be omni-channel. So can people go online? Do people feel comfortable and welcome walking into your doors and coming to them with their problems or opportunities? I think, again, it comes from that being accessible, being authentic, and wanting to engage with your residents. It's not a one-for-one-for-one-for-one in all cases. Like, you know, treat them with who they are at all those times, I think that's how you get that engagement and making sure that you have that feedback loop. And that translates both in person, relationally, as well as online. Because at the end of the day, those relationships are what make your online brand and your online interactions actually have meat and meaning. Yeah, I think Robert's uh, really hit it on the head. And the thing that I would add to the, everyone is coming at it from a different strength. So if, if we manage eight or 10 communities in the same city, we might be able to talk regionally about the value of living in the region. And we might be able to have conversations about events and we might be able to spread the energy of discovering the beauty of our community, the beauty of our region, our city around many communities. And you see that a lot that oftentimes the the property management leader in a given market is the one that has 20 properties, which gives them a, a scalable, centralized advantage. And so this whole conversation really does bring up the growing issue in the industry about whether to centralize property management and leasing and engagement or to decentralize it and to leave it at the site level. And so whichever strategy you're pursuing, I think there are plenty of opportunities to have real engaged conversation that is authentic and meaningful. Some of it comes down to just trusting the technology and trusting that the vernacular in a particular channel might not be the Queen's English. So if we trust our people to text because that's what the resident wants, maybe it's okay that they leave off the period on the end because that's part of the vernacular. You know, WhatsApp is a very transactional platform when it comes to business conversations. And it's okay to focus on fulfilling orders where maybe if the conversation is happening in a ratings or review site, we might be more aware of not just the person that we're talking to, but the 500 others who will also learn from the conversation and the engagement. And so each of these channels has its has a different flavor and the nature of the organization around it will determine what fits for you. There's definitely not one size fits all. And the last thing I would say is that, you know, there are plenty of companies that say, hey, we're having difficulty with continuing our engagement. We don't have staffing for it. And so some of those companies are outsourcing that communication to social media agencies, specific agencies that actually specialize 
converting the voice of the staff into a broad conversation that can be had with residents. When you start looking at some of the channels that residents are embracing, like TikTok, you know, it really becomes a specialized behavior. And so as we think about all these channels, I don't think one size fits all. And I think it probably makes sense to make a little spreadsheet or a little list in a notebook and say, how are we using each of these channels? And then, you know, the phase two for next year is how can we pull this data back into a single place to make sure we're having consistent conversations that advance our lifestyle and business goals? Thank you for that, Steve. How do you think that owners, multifamily owners, can create feedback loops from the tenants? What are the best ways to do that good feedback loops from them so that they know what's going on? They are listening to what they're saying, you know, and then they're fixing or altering whatever needs to be changed. I think at at its core, the first thing is that leadership has to take the residents seriously. I worked for an apartment company 20 years ago where we had a an email support line that was unattended and the CEO saw the complaints and just ignored them. You know, we were not in a position to have authentic conversations where that was part of the culture. So I'd say just starting with the culture is the first thing. And I think the second thing is we're very proud of the industry and we're proud of what we offer, but I think we've, you know, historically had a hard time accepting constructive feedback that changes our perceptions of what we offer. And so 10 years ago, when ratings and reviews first became popular, you know, there was a real sense in the industry that, hey, we should we should try to sue Yelp out of existence. We should try to sue apartment ratings rather than saying this is a gift. Someone is aggregating all this information for free and we can see how what is being said and reported back dovetails with what we think our value proposition is. And so a lot of it just it just comes from saying, hey, this is something that we want to value. We see the investment value. We see that these are leading indicators that determine our ability to deliver on a value proposition. The feedback is, is a leading indicator of our ability to move rents. It's a leading indicator of whether we're going to stay on top of maintenance and rehab issues or not. And if you do that, then it becomes much, much easier to say, hey, I'm going to empower whoever makes sense for our organization to actually begin conversations and to listen and to report back up the chain. I I will just close my answer to that question. At the same company, I once reported to one of the senior officers that there was a problem with the carpet that we had just purchased. And I was also senior vice president of the company. Rather than taking the feedback, he told me that everyone was different and that there's nothing I could do about it living in a corporate apartment. And it was probably my fault that I had a rash from the carpet. You know, unfortunately, that that was typical of the industry at the time and is you know, probably still typical of many companies. And I think that, you know, there's just a certain amount of fear that we have as human beings about, geez, I'm, I'm in a fixed location. I can't run. I can't hide. I'm going to get feedback for what we've done. It's it's tough. You can't, as I'm sure Robert and you, you would agree, Steve, it's impossible to grow or get better or evolve without criticism and feedback and understanding the problems and issues because you know, we, everything is imperfect. And the only way things improve is from listening and making those sorts of, you know, changes. You know, if nobody wants to be criticized, but we at the same time, that's how you get better. Even Apple gets criticism. I mean, every company that's fantastic still has things to fix. Robert, I, I want to give you an opportunity to weigh in here. Yeah, I'd love to know, Steve, where you were earlier in my career. I think uh, I would have stepped on far fewer rakes uh, had I heard what you just shared with me. Honestly, couldn't agree more with everything you're saying. When it comes to these feedback loops and active listening, understanding the needs of your residents, I think, is paramount. 
I will double click into one thing though, to avoid some of the obstacles and, and trip ups that I've run into myself, which is, you know, as a service provider, it really only takes three or four pain points to move a customer to a purchase decision to switch or to go somewhere else. So when you're thinking about these feedback loops and hearing what people are saying, it's also just as important to listen for what is not being said and making sure that you're getting good data on your feedback loops as far as like, what is the quiet base doing or what are the people who are suffering silently actually going through? And I'll give you an example as a service provider of what we've done. In fact, a personal example, we have a home automation system and a home security system. And I had a motion sensor go out on me. So that was pain point one. When I took it apart, I realized it was a very unique battery type. It was like a C6 battery, which I think is used in photography. Obviously, I don't keep that in my home, so that's pain point too. I looked online, wasn't there. I had to go to a specialty shop. So I got the battery, came home, tried to place it, couldn't quite get it in, and so much time had gone by that the device itself was orphaned. <laughs> so that's what, pain point four at that point. So I had to call. I had to get a service provider to come over here, fix the issue. By the way, he was late. So then all of those things combined for me that was probably five, six pain points at the end of the day. But as a company, when we look at that, we measure that as one because it was just that one phone call. So really understanding and having those active conversations and trying to look at this outside in from the resident or customer perspective is really key to understand and keep your ear to the ground as to what's really going on. Yeah, you have to. I mean, so what would you guys say? What are the conversations that you want to have with the residents? For me, it's constant conversations. I mean, it's not always about the business. I think we talked about that at the very beginning. It is about the people. You want to address the bad and you want to address the good in all those cases. Actually, circling back to kind of that online component, the latest stat I heard is about 46% of residents expect all reviews online to be responded to. And again, that's the good and the bad. So it comes back down to just making sure we're maintaining those conversations and always initiating them so that it feels like it's an ongoing dialogue versus I need to know this from you right now, or this is what's going on today. It's making sure people feel open that there's a live connection going on at all times. My take is this, the conversations are the same conversations that you have with your friends and with your colleagues at work. You keep them apprised of small things. So I used to live in a community that was owned and managed by Charles E. Smith. And Charles E. Smith was a REIT that was purchased by some other REITs, but it was a fantastic company, great culture. And in Washington, D.C., one of their constant points of communication was around the weather. They communicated regularly about the weather, street cleaning, the heat, the availability of the pool and the heat in the wintertime, how we would get out and what to do about spring rains. And it was really interesting because on one level, it was not exciting, but it was a harmless way to initiate conversations. And, you know, email was still new at the time. So they send email out to the people who had email addresses. People would write stuff back. So the email would actually trigger a response that was often nonlinear. We were so time efficient today that we think that everything has to be about, I'm going to do thing one to get thing two. But sometimes... Thing two comes from something completely innocuous, just inviting a, a, an open comment. So, you know, we don't walk up to someone at the water cooler and say, where's that report? You're late. We say, hey, how you doing? We want to see if there's something going on. This is an extenuating circumstance. We want to preserve our relationship. And we want to be open to their possibilities that we simply don't know about. So I, I think that's one easy way to break into conversation is just to always be in communication and not to have it be about me or about you. The same community, you know, often they would communicate about maintenance items and building maintenance items. 
the elevators in particular, but also trash collection, small things that people would complain about under their breath. And so by getting ahead and everyone knowing, oh, I understand that I'm going to see some strangers and the elevator's going to be out, or today there's going to be restricted access to this part of the lobby because they're setting up for a party, all of that was also helpful. And then the other, the other thing is, is, you know, so often when we survey, we simply ask about the product. But, you know, if we ask people about their lives and what we can help them with, we might get very, again, nonlinear responses where we always say, oh, we were going to compare amenities and features. But, you know, it seems to me like in the modern era, the thing that most people want more of is time. And so we're not even asking them about, hey, how can I give you more time in your day by doing something in a central fashion that helps you out? And I, I think it's one of the big misses of the industry. Well, time is our most valuable resource, right? That's the one thing that we know it's limited. What would you gentlemen say are some of the tools that can help to avoid certain conversations that maybe you don't want to have with residents? For example, automatic rent payments, et cetera. Like, are there tools in place that can kind of keep you out of the muck? There are clearly tools to automate a lot of conversations. And whether it's automating surveys or the ratings and review process, I think that's probably one of the most promising areas. There are a few companies now that have gamified ratings and reviews and feedback. And so they're automating the process. I think that's that's an easy one. I, I don't necessarily think that conversations are bad. It's more about the expectations you create around them because sometimes people will identify things that you can't do anything about, whether it's traffic or large capital items. But gathering the information may tell you that, hey, you know, we have an opportunity here to sell this property to someone with the capital to do something about this problem. And so I, I don't know that conversations need to be avoided. I think it's more about the promise that you make and the expectations that you have around those conversations and whether you can solve all problems or not. And again, I, I think it's it's an opportunity to hear from people. So, you know, the most common thing that is coming sideways, backwards, upside down at everyone right now is information from residents about, I need a better way to, to connect with my e-commerce. In many communities, it's an unsolvable space problem. But I think the, the overwhelming demand is pointing people to reinvesting in communities in something that is facing the modern world in ways that we simply would not have anticipated five years ago. Yeah, I don't know, Robert, if you want to add on to any of that. My brain went in about five or six different directions the way that question was framed because, again, kind of, kind of circling back to my earlier point, which is good and bad, you want to have those conversations. However, to your point, how do you avoid the conversations you don't want to have? It really comes down to just avoiding the pain points that you could have avoided with just some proactive or prior thought. So a couple things come immediately to mind. For example, a challenge. The move-in overall is just a stressful, frustrating time. So anything that you can do to alleviate that experience, you know, people don't want to be chasing, looking for a key, or maybe the digital key isn't working. As people move in, maybe they want to listen to music to unpack. They don't want to suddenly discover that their cell phone has horrible reception within the unit, or they're having challenges getting online instantly. For example, like I think another stat that I heard recently was that it's table stakes at this point. Over 80% of residents expect move-in ready internet by the time they cross that threshold. So any type of things that you can stack the deck in the resident's favor is going to help them really at the end of the day when it comes to move, uh, smoothing out those pain points. Just know again, coming from the cable guy as well too, you want to lump the bad and spread out the good. 
So all those experiences that you create with your technologies, you want to kind of sprinkle those like salt and pepper throughout the year, throughout the customer's experiences, because it is the life that they're building at your property. So just kind of knowing those different life cycle points where there is going to be some points of contention. For example, maybe there's a renewal time. Move-in is one that's a very clear one as well. And then the move-out experience. Anything that you can show to demonstrate you thought and cared about that person through that issue, I think that speaks volumes. You know, people describe as sometimes the most stressful memories that they have is when you're moving in and when you're also moving out. And so what do you suggest? What are some things that you can do as owners to alleviate that stress for people who are going through those processes? For one, that's probably one of the best times to establish that feedback loop. Make sure that that you're accessible throughout that whole process. Not only that, take advantage of the time. Like this shouldn't sneak up on anyone who's in this industry. Usually they have the move date established. They know when someone's moving in. They know who the service providers are in the area. They know the power, the cable, the electricity. Your amenities probably haven't changed in the 30 days when someone's made the decision to move into your property until the time of moving. So really kind of taking the time to effectively onboard and welcome the residents to your property and community that's the best thing. I mean, you are, you are going to know better than anyone else what your property has to offer and what resonates with the people who live there. So take the time and opportunity to highlight those things. Give them something exciting to look forward to. The stresses are going to come anyway. I mean, those are uncontrollable. That's just part of the process. But walking in the door, you know, making sure that you're there and accessible is probably key and paramount. But you can't ignore as well the move out process. It's very easy to kind of turn your back and say, okay, you know, I'll I'll help you. Make sure you just give me everything that you need and kind of move on your way. But is that the experience you want to leave with those people potentially maybe they're moving to a different property or might be coming back into your footprint at some point? You want to make sure there's that warm hug goodbye because, again, that demonstrates to the people who still live within that community that they care about their residents. So moving out is stressful, even though you can't care for their move in at the next property, really helping them square away making sure they're cared for, make sure the unit's turned over appropriately in that sense. Those are things that you can do to be more proactive in those processes. So they can speak also positively about their experience. Like you said, such a good point, Robert, when people are moving out, just because they aren't living with you in your environment any longer, they're going to talk to their friends. And if they say, wow, they treated me so well, that lingers. And that's a great source of referrals. I don't know, Steve, if there's something that you might want to add. Yeah, there is. I think we we gain a lot from experiencing the renting experience as executives. And so I always encourage my friends, hey, go through the leasing process and actually try to move into an apartment and see what it's like. Go to to your own people, go to one of your communities and see what it's like. And I said this to a friend of mine a few years ago and he came back and said, it's actually as bad as going to the DMV. Oh, Lord. But if we if we think about the the rules, you know, we spend so much on marketing to attract people. Then we say, well, you know what? You have to sign this form. It's paper. And then you can only use the elevator on Saturday between this time and this time. And then you can't have this kind of wheels. And then tell your moving guys to do this. You didn't sign this other form. And by the way, you can only pick up your keys between nine and five because that's what's convenient for me. We're creating an experience that doesn't have an owner because we don't experience what it's like to go through that. And one of the most exciting things that I've seen in a long time is a startup came along called Moved that actually takes all of the friction out of what happens from the moment someone signs the lease through the first 30 days of living in the community, including getting their access to their new home. 
And so it's a new way of thinking about this experience. Just as earlier, Robert was aggregating these, these pain points and said, hey, lump the bad together. That first 30 days is all bad. But there actually is a technology solution out there that can actually help. I know Avalon Bay uses it across their portfolio. You know, it's just a great way to t- to look at this from a high-level perspective and say, here's everything that maybe we can't specialize in doing well because we have to maintain, we have to lease to other people, we have reports to do, risk management. Here's a tool that takes a lot of this pain and stress away from the experience. And it's it, to me, it's just it's really exciting that we're actually seeing technology focused on the betterment of residents and the living experience and not just on improving assets. Yeah, I like that what you mentioned about actually experiencing it so that you can understand it because, you know, it's very hard when you're not in it, you don't see it, you don't feel it, you don't understand it. I live in a multifamily building here in New York City on the Upper East Side. And during COVID, our, the delivery people could not come up and we, you know, we get food delivered all the time. So you had to go downstairs, sometimes you're in your pajamas, sometimes it's middle of the night, whatever it is. And so just recently I went to the board or the, and I said, guys, listen, it's time to like remove this. And so they, I spoke to them and they, you know, now they're returned to letting people come upstairs. But again, that would not have changed, but for someone living there, talking about it, seeing it, understanding it, because people are busy. And a lot of times it's hard to pay attention to all that stuff. So I think that's such a good point that people should experience it to understand the actual process of applying too. And going through all of that, I think, is really gets you in the weeds on things. So that's really such a good point, Steve. What do you think about how, how mindful should multifamily owners be of age gaps and potential residents? Do you think this is something to pay attention to? I think, again, looking at it through the lens of a marketer, really understanding your audience kind of it tells everything. So if you're thinking about building a brand strategy, a messaging strategy, a positioning strategy for your community, Knowing your audience and the age gaps, I mean, there are some things that are, seem to be consistent across the board. Everyone wants a seamless move experience or a frictionless move experience. Everyone wants a good home life and a good lifestyle. But when you're drawing people into those conversations, something Steve actually said, I uh, answered a question earlier, I think kind of hits on this as well, too, is that resident and prospective resident preferences vary regionally. So understanding that your styles, your marketing, your experiences should be regional as well to speak to that audience, too. When it comes to the age, I mean, obviously, there's things that are more of a digital first experience or more open appetite when it comes to things like IoT or automations. That's going to be there for like the millennials or the people coming into your properties that are on more of the younger demographic. But for your more mature residents as well, too, it all comes down to service and experience. Like, you know, are you delivering what you committed to them at the end of the day? So they are starting to evolve, though. That's the interesting part. You know, the latest status, again, I heard was 30% of prospective residents would prefer a self-guided or virtual tour in those cases, and that's across the board. So that's three out of 10. Folks are starting to evolve. I mean, most everyone has a smartphone. I don't know if the, I don't know if my grandmother is on TikTok yet, but there probably is some sort of social media that is accessible to her in order to have these conversations and learn about these properties and communities. Will millennials only use automated processes? I mean, are they willing to do, uh, is that what you, you guys see both? Is that the standard? I would say you have to have both. And I'll, I'll, I'll use an example of just e-commerce in general. For folks, when we learn a buying behavior when in the digital world, I will do most, if not all, of my shopping through my mobile phone. When it comes time to actually make the purchase, I will pick up the phone or sit at a computer. So 
So being agile, being omni-channel in all of those cases, I think is key because yes, I can self-serve by going digitally to learn about a property. I would love to be able to solve the problems within my unit by going to a self-serve ticketing tool or experience in those cases, but something personal to me, something that's urgent for me, something that I'm passionate about, I want to talk to a human and I want a human to talk back to me. Interesting. Steve, what do you say? What say you? In the industry, we're always thinking about fair housing first or second or third as marketers. And so age is probably less descriptive than the different styles that people have of consumption and communication. And those styles are much broader than sort of the traditional things that we associate with age. A a simple example is attitudes towards cryptocurrency. It can be regional. It can be demographic. I just saw a stat recently that 18% of the recent home buyers in the Bay Area sold some crypto to make their home purchase. That has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with their willingness to try out something new that some people think is shameful or embarrassing and other people have made millions at. And there's just no way to tell by looking at someone, are you crypto friendly or not? There's also some people who don't understand it, which I would say are the that's the majority. But yes, you're right. It's complicated. Right. That's, the point isn't about crypto. The point is that we all have different learning styles and different ways that we do things. And so we could say, hey, if I'm in a place that has, let's say, if 20% of our residents are either international visitors or migrants, one thing that may not be obvious is they simply won't use a computer to transact online. Most of the world is mobile first on the internet. I don't think age is necessarily the, the proxy for how to think about how to reach people effectively. I think it's more about all the different ways and channels and established forms of behavior. And, and to be aware that, you know, I might think I'm tech savvy, but I only have comfort with certain things and I have certain devices. And so I transact in a certain way. I'm not representative of the marketplace. I can look around my household and see other examples, but then talk to friends and see other examples. And I think being aware that people have choices and that if you look at, you know, some consumer, uh, I recently, uh, I took a flight, it was a KLM flight and they allowed me to rebook the flight on WhatsApp. Never heard of that. Why don't us airlines allow you to rebook on WhatsApp? It took like two minutes and it was better than being on the phone. It was better than being online. I texted someone. Here's my confirmation. Here's my old flight. Here's the new flight. I'd like, they just said one second, boom, it's yours. And then the, the email popped up, you know, five minutes later. That's a better channel for someone who uses WhatsApp. That's fantastic, actually. Makes it makes it so seamless. Takes the frustration piece out, which I think deters a lot of people when they find things are frustrating. They walk away and try something else, especially because attention spans are shrinking every day. Hundred percent. But I, I, th- I think that when when I started in this business, we we worked so hard to try to come up with one big industry understanding, and you know there was one revealed truth that we were after. And I think those days have broken down. And I think that there are many different ways that people move through the world. And the more that we understand those paths to connection and to commerce, the better off we are. And so we can try to figure out why there are these differences. And I think that's probably important, but more it's more important to know that there are those differences and that someone who wants to lease with us may want to do their lease form on their phone with nothing else. And they want it to be done in the same time it takes them to fill out a credit application online or buy a car. I bought a car two years ago from CarMax on my phone. Really? Did you really? Really? I did. When I sold it, I sold it back to them. I went back on, put the VIN number in. 
They sent me a quote and said, here's the nearest CarMax, show up and we'll give you a check. You didn't want to go and see the car, drive the car, go into the car, feel it out? You didn't care about any of that? No. As for, you know, for me, the car, this, this particular car was functional. I wanted it to pull a trailer. I wanted a V8 that could pull a certain amount that was 2018. I don't really, I mean, it's a car, it's a car. What do I care? I know. I agree with that sentiment, but mo- a lot of the, and this is not gender specific, I'm not trying to, but a lot of the males that I know and their cars, it's like a big to do, you know, it's not just clicking a thing. I mean, but yeah, that's, it is, it can be depend. Like you said, so beautifully, Steve, everybody moves through the world differently. And the fact we have to acknowledge that we have different needs. We, we want things differently. And I think the way you said that was so perfectly stated. It's true. As human beings, we're all so different and we like, we're drawn to different things. Thank you for saying that the way that you did. You know, with regard to cars, I actually don't know anything about cars. I feel silly walking around looking at it and asking the question, so it's got a carburetor, right? Like, what what am I going to ask the salesman? He doesn't know either. He's just selling some stuff. In the 70s, when I first learned about cars, guys were supposed to become experts. And I realized, you know, I just don't really care. It's if it works and it gets like 25 to the gallon, I'm good. It's more about how much time it takes for me to get this car. And so... I don't like spending four hours sitting at the dealership while they get passed from person to person. And then some guy comes in and says, you really need a thing under the car. I, I really don't. And now that I'm tired, I'm angry. And so we're having, we're having a reverse experience. And I think if we you know, just think about any, any of the experiences that we have, we can map to our own experience in multifamily. I agree. I agree with that. Well, let's shift for a minute and talk a little bit about resident living experience. What sort of services should owners consider to create a better resident experience? Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Robert, what do you think? It's a very interesting question. That would be good to know where you want to be in the marketplace. I think one of the misnomers that I see often, and I'll speak to, for example, automation and digital experiences in this case, if you're trying to be innovative, your goal should not necessarily be to automate existing practices. It's to create experiences that your residents didn't know that they needed. I mean, if you're really trying to enhance your curb appeal and draw people in and stand apart from the crowd, it really is about creating things. You know, experiences create belief, belief creates action in those cases. So what are we doing that's going to enhance your life when you come over and live within our community? So I think that that is just Again, it's paramount because it comes down to like, if can I see myself living here and what is my life going to be like in those cases? I think it was funny because as Steve was talking through that, I was getting anxiety. I don't know if I'd ever be able to purchase a car sight unseen. <laughs> I would want to kick the tie. I, and that just comes from, you know, my previous trauma of owning vehicles my whole life. I've just not had good luck. But when it comes to living places, I, I probably would. I probably, if it, if it came down to get an apartment, I would answer does it look clean and can I afford it? And how far is it from my work? Those would probably be my, my big three key decisions. So I really do think it really comes down to where you want to situ- situate yourself in the marketplace. I mean, are you already up market and looking for a way to kind of create a new ceiling? Are you in a crowded pool where you're trying to look a little bit different or secure your own you know, claim? Or are you just trying to keep up? Because as people build out these experiences and these automations, it's almost, again, becoming table stakes and expectations as people walk in your door. I think it's being really honest about who your audience is, where you want to be. And not only where do you want to be, where do you see yourself going? And can you scale to what the needs are for both your residents and the future of your portfolio? Steve, do you want to add anything about you know services that you think are important to provide? 
I like that DC building you talked about where they give you the weather, they like give you all that stuff. My building does that too. I think it's kind of nice to have those little, whether you want it or not, but you can, if you want it, you can look and see what's going. It gives you good information. I think that there are two or three different ways to look at the services. One is, is what doesn't the neighborhood have, right? So again, I'm sitting in downtown San Francisco. I can see a building there's bars and gyms around, but there aren't a lot of convenient food options in this immediate area. And so food delivery from a, a ghost kitchen or through a Menify might be an option that really adds a lot of value to residents in downtown where out in the, across the street from, uh, from a mall may not be of value. I, I think that's sort of the, the, the neighborhood dearth is the first thing. The second is what can, what can the owner do uniquely with space and programming that residents can't do for themselves. So as a service, just being able to host parties, having a party space is actually a great lifestyle amenity for people who want to connect with family and friends. Third would be anything infrastructure related, anything that's around large numbers of people. And then of course, anticipating technology. So, you know, we've just as on a very basic level, high quality internet service is a sustainability item. It's necessary for work. It's necessary now for fun. That's an easy one. But along with that, we see a world that's transitioning, say, to electric cars, and we see it here in California. So, how do people charge electric cars? That's an that's an easy amenity to provide. It generates revenue for the community and adds value for residents. You probably could go one more step and say, depending on the community and which one you can you can mimic what student housing does in terms of providing active programming to keep people engaged around the community and talking about it to their friends and on social media you know for a number of communities I, I, one of my favorite community stories ever was a community in northern minnesota where they organized ice fishing for their residents and they took uh, an old garage and turned it into a storage unit for fishing gear. And no one ever moved out. And I just thought that was a really clever way to anticipate the needs of the community and provide an amenity that was unique to that location and obviously doesn't play, you know, in Los Angeles. Yeah, that, that keeps people so committed and loyal. That's how you really get loyalty from residents because they feel a kinship, a connection, a reason. You know, when you get people, when people don't have a reason and they're frustrated, then you're going to lose, you know, credibility. So, gentlemen, in closing, I want to give you each an opportunity. What do you think is to come? Is there anything new futuristically that we should be thinking about for uh, multifamily owners? Uh, anything that comes to the top of your head? Robert? I'm going to take a page out of Steve's book and add to it. <laughs> So I think one of the best practices that he shared is for owners to go through their leasing journey. I think overall, there's probably multiple paths and multiple journeys that you can look at when it comes to the day-to-day -day experiences of your residents. So not only professionally, but personally, the example that you just gave was how communities come together for a common purpose or a common need, or even just a common interest in those cases. So the question becomes, how do you create those experiences? How do you make them accessible for everyone? How do you communicate them effectively? But also, again, to my earlier point is, how do you make sure your community is scaling to those needs as well? I think the key piece is you want to make sure that your community and your homes are meeting their needs today, but also in the future. And obviously, we're moving to a more digital first 
and connectivity future. I think the average devices that are connected to the home Wi-Fi network right now is 50. And I think in two years, it's projected to 150. <laughs> so it, it's climbing very quickly. So making sure that we can support that and that people feel connected. And I think what we, an insight I've heard as well, too, is the more connected people are, the more disconnected they actually feel personally. So making sure that you're taking advantage of the proximity and the community aspect that you have there, I think that's the key piece is bringing people together in the digital world. Yeah, that's a good good way to put it. Steve, any last words? Yeah, I, I think that the stealth trend that's going on right now is a lot of the large institutional owners are looking at or have already moved communities onto short-term rental platforms or built their own so that their residents can actually rent for a day, a week, a month, or a year. An interest point and a trend in 2018 and 2019 COVID inter interrupted it, but we're seeing really interesting companies, big names that we all know, the gray stars and Brookfields of the world, iconic capital, very large capital players looking at this saying, finances work out very well for us. The convenience for residents works out terrifically. We love that people can live here for five months if that's their preferred option. We see that people don't have the lifestyles that they used to have. And residents love it because in some of these models, they can actually get rent credit or earn money back for renting their own units out. And so something that almost died away has, has come back because the nature of living, especially among people without kids, has really changed where people just say, you know what, I want to be five months in this place and six months in this place and the other month I'll spend on vacation. We are very well positioned as an industry to capture this demand to monetize it and to provide the convenience itself as an amenity that people appreciate and are willing to pay more for. And so I think over the next 12 to 24 months, you're gonna see more short-term rental management companies buy traditional third-party management companies to help speed the adoption of this. And I think along with that, we're gonna see tremendous shifts in some of the technology. You're gonna see incredible demand for internet for short-term resident guests as well as long-term annual renters and things like that where everyone in the building might be using the same apps but for different lengths of time and different purposes it's going to change the nature of the business fundamentally and i don't think there's any stopping it i think for a lot of people their the, their career options and their opportunities to grow going forward are going to be harnessing this trend for themselves and figure out hey who can i be in this new world where maybe i have a more flexible process than i used to Wow, thanks so much to Steve and Robert for being with us today and giving us a master class in multifamily marketing and resident conversations. And thanks so much to you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please make sure to leave a review wherever you're listening and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm Bess Friedman and this has been Open Door, brought to you by Cox Communities.